Would you take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to 1 John and chapter 2? 1 John and chapter 2. I want to kind of go back just for a moment to where we were last week and and to kind of bring you back to where we were because these verses, just because we study a verse or two or three at a time, doesn't mean the ones before and the ones after don't have anything to do with one another, have anything to do with one another. They have quite a bit to do with one another. So it's helpful to put things into perspective. And last week we noted in verses seven and eight that there is this overriding command that is given some very powerful meaning for believers because it's accompanied by an example. The old command we talked about last week that we've had from the beginning was was this. It was love one another, right? John writes of it in 2 John. You don't need to go there, but just listen to 2 John in verse 5 where John writes, "...not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another." And John is writing in 1 John about this old commandment and, and that old commandment to love one another. But, but he says in verse 8, and we noted this last week, that in verse 8 of 1 John chapter 2, that he also calls it a new commandment. And it is such because it is now made new by the example of Jesus Christ. The command was, love one another. But we now have the example of Jesus Christ. And the new commandment we learn from Jesus himself when Jesus spoke these words, John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, a new commandment that you love one another. See, that's the old commandment. But he makes it new by saying, just as I have loved you, his example. You also are to love one another. And then in verse 35 he says, and this is our testimony as a church, by all this, uh, by, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So the old commandment, love one another, is new, love one another, just as I have loved you. So how is that? How does the work, uh, how does, how does that work out in us? How does that work out in believers in the church? How does that work out in the life of a Christ follower? And if you call yourself a Christian, that means you are saying you are a Christ follower. And I make that an emphasis all the time because a lot of people in this world call themselves Christians, don't they? They say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. But you're not a Christian if you don't follow Christ. Okay? So how does this work out in the life of a Christ follower? What it means to love one another as Christ loves us and has loved us and does love us, it means that we love as Jesus loves. And for us, at times, it's going to be an act that is unnatural. Okay? It's not something we're going to feel like doing necessarily. It's going to have to be a deliberate act on our part. Maybe more often than not. It will mean that you love those, for instance, who persecute you. It may also mean that you need to love those who don't, in your eyes, deserve your love because very often in human, in our human perspective, we look at our relationships and there are people in our relationships when we say, I don't think they deserve my love. 
that's not how Jesus loved us, is it? Thank goodness. And so that means you love like Jesus loves. You love those who don't love you. You love them in, in, in spite of the fact that they don't love you. You love those who consider you their enemy. It means that no matter how others treat you, you love them just as Christ loves you because you done, you didn't always treat Christ right, did you? And you don't always treat Christ right, do you? Because we still struggle with sin, don't we? And it means that no matter how others treat you, you love them as Christ loves you in spite of themselves because that is just how Jesus loves you and me, in spite of ourselves. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were dead in trespasses and sins, and Christ loved us anyway. And that's how we're supposed to love. That's what we learned last week. And there's this emphasis, too, in another part of the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 2, where Paul makes this very clear that Jesus loves us even though we bring no merit of our own. And we are to show that kind of love to others. Before Christ gives us new life, before we are born again, hello, we're dead. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, but, verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So we can say, (laughs) we were dead in our sins and Christ loved us anyway. We are rebels against God before He saves us from our sins. And He loves us in spite of ourselves. What joy for us when we realize that we do not, we cannot save ourselves. Jesus saves us. We can't make ourselves righteous before God. He makes us righteous before God. We didn't make ourselves alive. We could not. Only Jesus gives us new life. And then Christ the word of life lives through us. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of His Word, power of the living Word, living through us, helping us to obey His written Word. And it is only possible to live like Christ with the Holy Spirit at work in the life of the believer. And so we have great reason or hope and joy. Because when we repent of our sin and turn in faith to Jesus Christ, believing in Jesus Christ and His finished work on our behalf on the cross, He gives us His Holy Spirit. And we have the living Word, and we have the written Word, and we have the Holy Spirit to take those things and use them in our lives to help us to live like Christ. 
And that empowers us when we are yielding to God's word to live like Christ and to love like Christ. And though it may not come naturally for us, we do now have a new nature that the Holy Spirit empowers us with, informed by the word. And that is why John says in verse 8, back in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 8, that the darkness is passing away. And the true light is already shining. The one who walks in the light, the person who obeys God's word has the light shining in and through his or her life, and that person will love the way Christ loves. Now, John goes on in verses 9 through 11, and I want, and I want you to go there with me and look at verse 9. Verses 9 through 11, and continuing with this theme of walking in the light, And John gives us the standard by which we can be assured of whether we are true followers of Christ, whether or not we are true possessors of salvation, or whether we are only professors of salvation. And this, mind you, is very serious. This is critical. This is critically important because there's an eternity of difference between being a possessor of salvation and being a professor of salvation. Do you catch the difference? There is an eternity of difference between being a believer in Jesus Christ, being a true believer and follower of Jesus Christ, and saying you are. First John chapter 2. In verses 9 through 11, and this is the standard we're going to see here. John gives us the standard by which we must judge ourselves. This is for us to judge ourselves with. And there is this powerful evidence that will testify on our behalf or against us as we examine our own lives to see whether or not we are in the faith. John says in verse 9, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now, what will be the evidence? What will the evidence suggest for or against whether or not one is a true believer in and follower of Christ. What will be the evidence and what will the evidence suggest? In our passage this morning, we find two kinds of evidence. And this is an either-or situation. It is very black and white. You are either in the light or you are in the darkness. There is no in-between when it comes to being a Christian. You're not kind of a Christian. You either are or you aren't. Now first, let's note the identifying characteristic of the one who is not in the light. One who could be a professor, one who says, I go to church, when you say, are you a believer? (laughs) Right? Have you ever had that happen? You say, are you a Christian? When you meet somebody, do you know Christ? And they say, my mama always took me to church. Right? And, And that's how they classify whether or not they're a Christian or not, because their mama... Took him to church growing up, or my grandmother always made sure we were in church with her every Sunday. That's not what I'm asking. I'm not asking if you go to church. I'm asking if you believe in Jesus Christ to save you from your sins because you can't save yourself. 
So first note, this identifying characteristic of one who is not in light, one who could be a professor, one who says they're a believer, who says they're in the light but is not. They might say they're a believer, but they they can know they're only a professor of faith because of the evidence that will testify against them. And the evidence looks like this. It's a four-letter word. What is that evidence? What is the identifying characteristic? It's it's hate. Hate. You say, well, that's a strong word. And that's the word that John intended to use, a very powerful word. And about this person who hates his brother, and let me just note here that we're talking about, he mentions in, in all three verses, the brother, the brother, the brother. About this person, his brother, whom John speaks of, he's talking about someone in the church. He's not saying they're a Christian necessarily. He's saying they're in the church because you realize it's possible to be in the church and say you're a part of the body, part of the church, and actually not be a follower of Christ, not be a believer in Jesus Christ. And so when he's talking about the brother here, because there's terminology in the New Testament when we talk about the brother, sometimes we're talking about believers. And he's not talking about believers specifically. He's talking about the church in general and people who put themselves or identify themselves with the church. And so when he talks about the brother here, when you hate your brother or those who love your brother in verse 10 or those who hate your brother in verse 11, he's talking about those in the, in the fellowship of the church, those who identify themselves as being a part of the church. And about this person who hates his brother, John says of this person who hates his brother, or we could say sister, it's as if he were blind. Now John's statement here could and probably should cause some concern for us and cause us to take note, especially of our own lives. And that's what I think this passage is meant to do. It's meant to make us look at ourselves. This passage is not to make us look at our neighbor and say, hmm, I don't think he's a believer, or hmm, I don't think she's a believer. This is to make us look inward at our own lives and let the Holy Spirit help you in this. So John's statement here ought to cause us to take note of our own lives. We must examine ourselves, and this is a necessary thing. Some people might say, well, are you are you trying to make me doubt my faith? Are you trying to make me doubt whether I'm a believer or not? Absolutely not. I'm trying to firm up your faith and help you realize that you are a believer. If these things are true of you, what God's Word says, and it's a very good thing to test yourself, to prove to yourself whether or not you are a true follower of Christ. We must examine ourselves. This is a very necessary and healthy thing for the one who says they are a believer. As noted by Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, where he says these words, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you unless, indeed, you fail to meet the test. So this is a good thing that we look inward at our lives and ask the Holy Spirit to help us to to test ourselves, to prove whether we're true followers of Christ or not. Well, back to this issue of hate and this person who hates. Why does this person hate? I want you to look at verse 9. Again, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. And I want you to note it again in verse 11. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. 
Why does this person hate? He or she hates because they are still in the darkness. They don't know where they're going. They're blinded by the darkness. The one who says he is in the light but hates his brother is still in darkness. The darkness has blinded him. You got it. You say, okay, I got it. He's, he's still in the darkness. But what does that mean? How does this happen? How is it that this person could be blinded? Here's how. The person who hates his brother is lacking the truth. That's what it means when we're talking about walking in darkness. His eyes are blinded by the darkness. He does not have the truth. God's Word is truth. God's Word is light. And it sheds light on the darkness and and it makes the darkness vanish. And without the light of God's Word, you are still in darkness. And so this person who hates is still blinded, is is blinded by the darkness and is in the darkness without the truth of God's Word. And we need to remember, and we need to know this, there are often times when people wonder whether someone who has made a profession of faith is a believer or not. We need to know for our own sake, for our own hearts, our own lives, God's Word never separates our faith in Christ from our practice. God's Word never separates our faith in Christ from obedience. Our faith in Christ will result in a walk in the light. Our faith in Christ will result in a walk in the truth. And obedience to God's Word and certainly while believers are not perfect, there will be evidence of their faith in their practice, in their obedience, showing itself in the way that they obey God's Word, the truth, the light. That's just what we learned back in verse 4. Go back for a moment. First John chapter 2, and just go back a few verses to verse 4. Whoever says, I know Him, meaning Christ, as Lord and Savior, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. No truth equals hate. The person who has not confessed their sin and believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will not have the truth at work in them. They will not have the light expelling the darkness. And the outcome will be living in darkness, which results in hate. That's the nature of the one who lives in darkness, separated from the potential of God's truth, separated from the potential of God's work in their heart, in their mind, in their life, revealing the truth to them, helping them obey God's truth, God's word. I want you to keep your finger here in 1 John chapter 2 for a moment, but I want you to go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. We're talking about being blinded and in the darkness because they're without the truth. Those who are, who are blinded are still without the truth and lack the, the light of truth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, we see the unbeliever is blinded because Satan is working overtime to keep them from seeing the truth. Not only are they in the darkness because they haven't confessed their sin and believed in Jesus Christ, they don't have the light, 
because they, they haven't turned to Christ in saving faith, but they're also in darkness because Satan is working overtime to keep them that way. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Unbelievers, you need to understand that unbelievers are blinded because they do not have the light of Christ in them. Unbelievers are blinded from the truth because they don't have the light. And Satan is working to keep them that way. Thus, those who are not in the light practice sin, and the natural outcome is hate toward others, not love. But what's the remedy for this? What can we do to help bring the light to those who are blinded? Keep going in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse 5. The remedy is in verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves. Hey, we're not their saviors. We're not the unbeliever's savior. What we proclaim is not ourselves, but what? Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. The remedy for those who are blinded by the darkness of sin is to proclaim the truth of God's Word, proclaim the light, preach the truth. That's what they need. They need the preaching of the gospel because the gospel, the Word of God, is powerful and quick and sharp as a two-edged sword and pierces to the soul and the heart, right? And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word, right? And the Word was with Him and the Word was God and the Word is God. So what people need is the Word to have the light shown to them. In verse 6, keep going. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God shines the light in our hearts. It is a supernatural work of God to give light to those who are blinded and, and dead. It is a supernatural work of God to give light to those who are blinded by the darkness and life to those who are spiritually dead. Do not discount the power of God's Word to open the eyes of sinners. Now here in the life of an individual when there is hate, and this hate in the life of an individual is is the evidence that condemns the one who says they are in the light, who says they're Christians, they're a Christian or a Christ follower, they say they are, but hate in their lives condemns them because they do not possess Christ, they hate. And to be in the light is to love as Christ loves us. And John says that if you hate those who are a part of the family, part of the church, you are not in the light. Now that is not to suggest, be very careful here, it's not to suggest that it's all right to hate those who are outside the church. Well, pastor said, if you love people in the church, you're okay. Now what I'm saying, that would be completely opposite of what the Bible teaches. But John is making a special emphasis here in helping us examine our hearts as to whether or not we are in the faith or not. If you can't even love your brothers and sisters in the church, there's a problem. If those who are in the church cannot love one another, that is a glaring cause for alarm. 
John is saying that to hate your brother and sister in the church is totally anti-Christian. That is a totally anti-Christian practice. This person is truly lost and cannot see the way. What about the evidence for the life of the one who is a believer? What kind of evidence will be visible in the life of the one who is a follower of Christ? It's another four-letter word. It is love. The opposite of hate. Go back with me to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 10. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 10. And John says, whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Now the evidence and the overriding characteristic of a true believer must be love. Abiding in the light and love for one another, go hand in hand. Abiding in, living in, following in the light, obeying God's Word, and love for one another, those go hand in hand. So if you say you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you say you believe in God's Word, and you love God's Word, then you will love one another. So what does it mean to abide in the light? John says it this way in Second John in verse 6. Second John in verse 6. And this is love, that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. That is abiding in the light. That's living in the light and truth of God's Word. And this is love, that we walk according to His commandments. You obey God's commands. You love one another. And a true believer loves because he is abiding in. He is walking in the light. And that person who walks in the light and loves his brother, John says, is guarded from stumbling. You see it in verse 10, 1 John 2, verse 10, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. That is, he is guarded in that he will not be tempted to fall away from the fellowship of the church because he loves Others, because he loves them as Jesus loves him or her. And he or she is guarded by the light that is in them. That is the light and life of Christ. The power of the Word at work in them. That person who uses the Word to take encouragement from God's Word, to take wisdom from God's Word, to obey God's Word. God uses that Word in the life of that individual And when that individual yields to God's Word, that believer grows and matures in Christ. And their heart is guarded and their mind is guarded from falling away from the fellowship of other believers. You understand how dangerous it is to get away from God's Word? When you get away from God's Word, you take the tools of the Holy Spirit away to inform your mind and inform your thinking and keep you on the right path and to keep you in a fellowship with other believers and help to learn how to love one another. Oh, it's critical that we as individual believers be in the Word, studying and reading God's Word for ourselves. How can we know we're a part of God's family? How can we know we're a part of God's family? 1 John chapter 3, 
and verse 14 says this. John says, 1 John 3.14, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Are you getting the message this morning? It's love one another, isn't it? Just as Jesus loves us. And John has given us a very clear contrast between the Christian community and the world. Christians are ruled by love for one another. Our love for one another in obedience to Christ, following Christ's example, ought to rule what we do. Ought to guide us in our thinking. Ought to guide us in our conversations. Ought to guide us in how we make decisions together as a church. Our love in obedience to Christ, by Christ's example. Christians are ruled by love for one another. Unbelievers are ruled by something else. It is hate. Christians don't stay as they were before Christ. The light of truth changes them. Unbelievers cannot change because they are still in darkness. Christians are abiding in the light and life of Christ and have no cause for stumbling. Unbelievers, on the other hand, are abiding in the darkness of sin and death and they cannot see the way to love, but only hate by their own nature. And very sadly, there will be many who continue to take the path to death and to hate and destruction as Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14 reminds us, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. But the believer who is in fellowship with God, the believer who is walking in the light, will be in fellowship with his brothers and sisters in the church. And they will be a powerful witness to a world that is blindly treading the broad path to destruction. And so I bring you back to Jesus' words in John chapter 13 and verses 34 and 35 where once again we are reminded a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And then we're reminded that we have a testimony to uphold to point people to the light who are treading that broad path to destruction and blindness. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You see how important it is? You see how critical it is that we love as Jesus loves us? That we a bit better love one another. And that love for one another ought to spill out of this fellowship, this church. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the people. Ought to spill out of our lives into this community and love people like Christ loves us. What a challenge to us, isn't it? It does not come easily, does it? We must rely upon the Holy Spirit. We must rely upon the Word. We must walk in the light as He is in the light. Let the Word do its work in us. Let's pray. Father, our Heavenly Father, I pray. O Lord, have mercy on us and make us believers who who love as, as Christ has loved us. 
No, Lord, in so, in so loving one another, that would be a declaration of our allegiance to You and our love for Christ. And that by our obedience to You and our love for one another, we would be living, breathing, walking examples of Your love for sinners. Oh God, help us to love one another as Jesus has loved and does love us to help point the way to light and life. Oh God, make us a powerful witness in this community for Your sake, for Your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together in closing this morning as we lift a song before the Lord. And we need to, at all times, keep our eyes on Christ and keep our eyes on His Word and be encouraged and strengthened by it. Let's sing this chorus together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Just sing it with me a couple of times in closing this morning. as you're reminded to keep your eyes on Christ, off yourself, off one another, but to love one another as Christ has loved us. Let's rely rely upon and depend upon Christ. Sing it with me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His bow your heads with me before we have a word of prayer in closing. I want to encourage you this morning. If you're a follower of Christ, if you know you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to pray with me this morning. There, there could be individuals amongst us who are unbelievers who are realizing this morning they haven't trusted Christ. So I want to ask believers to pray with me for potential unbelievers this morning. If you're an unbeliever this morning, you realize you've never really confessed your sin and believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to turn to Him today. It's as simple as confessing to God in prayer that you are a sinner and then telling God that you believe in Jesus and His finished work for you, that He died for you. And trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Do not let another day go by without praying and asking God to save you from your sins, confessing your sin to Him, and then begin walking in the light. I want to know it if you do that today, if you pray and ask God to save you. I want you to tell me so I can help you grow spiritually. If you want to pray with me, if you want to talk with me, I'd be happy to meet with you. You just tell me you'd like to meet with me. We're going to pray in closing this morning for you and for one another that we will grow in Christ's likeness. I'm going to ask our brother in Christ, Dave Sprague. Dave, would you lead us in word of prayer as we close this morning?
Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen.